0: talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far so love me love me love me I'm a and
1: welcome back to the second part of the worst wings one year anniversary spectacular dealing with both 18th and potomac and in this particular episode the climax and conclusion of the second season two cathedrals I hope you enjoy, and you can thank me later for saving your sanity and splitting this into two episodes instead of just one because, holy shit, we talk for a really long time. However, you should listen to the whole thing because we feel like you'll really enjoy it. And so, now that the stage is set, we can dive right into Two Cathedrals. This is episode 22 of season 2 of The West Wing, um, where we get some scenes that are seared into the memories of probably tens of millions of liberals in this country yes. <laughs> as like an just a just a monumental moment as this is of what their the president cultural, should be of their cultural reference this, this is what my executive. ideal
0: president acts like uh he... <laughs> yeah oh man uh so n- not a lot political happens in this it's mostly the culmination of all the, basically, the character arc of the MS saga itself is finally... We're, it's finally leaked. It's out. You know, Our intro scene is basically the Congressional Democrats bitching to Leo just about how fucking awful this is and how they're just going to get fucking crushed from now on. And if the president shows up in someone's district, they're going to be like, No, go away, Mr. President. You suck with your MS. You're going to ruin my poll chances.
1: Yeah, and the... So... The The fallout within the party of the president's diagnosis starts to take shape. And you actually noted here, like, shortly into the episode, we're talking re-election. Yep. Um, because that, they agreed on in 18th and Potomac, will be the question that, you know, every reporter in his right mind Even will Ted ask. Baxter. <laughs> Even Ted Baxter will ask. So... Sam's in and in this conference room with oh the my White God. House, sitting with the very smug strategist. we're, we're democratic. We're
0: democratic strategists. So these right here are the dumbest people on the entire show.
1: <laughs> this is. <laughs> these are your Liam <laughs> These are these are your calf crampers. These are your Oh my god. Whoever. They would be and, plugging
0: Beto <laughs> They'd be like, "You know what? I got this young kid coming out of Texas. Oh, he's big. He gets the donations in like nobody else."
1: Well, and specifically to that point, they say that Hoynes, right. the vice president, is the natural choice now because, because he's they presume the best fundraiser. Yeah, and they also presume that the president is just going to be like, "I'm out." Right. Well, not only because that, because there's no way
0: one of them goes so far as to be like, well, it'd be, it'd be even better for Hoynes if he was the incumbent. And then at that point, Sam just goes, shut it down, <laughs> because apparently that's going way too far to suggest that the president should resign <laughs> midterm uh, and hand well, it over to Hoynes.
1: And the the way that these people discuss it is and I mean, you made a perfect note here. I, I describe it as it's like it's the coronation. Yes, it's, it's they're the, literally the picking Yes, they're picking, they're arriving at a consensus of who is going to be like, the And one like guy throws
0: out alternative candidates that might run, including Seth Gillette, our Bernie Sanders analog, and then just dismisses them as like, ah, he'd be lucky to get his own family. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, so we have here the literal smoke-filled back room, except now it's the 90s and most people realize smoking is bad, so now it's the Danish-filled back room.
1: Yes. <laughs> kill your arteries with because we haven't figured out foods. carbs are bad yet yes. <laughs> it's gonna take
0: another decade or two for everyone to realize oh sugar's real bad too
1: <laughs> yeah so that's an interesting kind of we, we do get the establishment take on what is uh, what is kind of yeah, presumed so, to happen so this
0: is their safe option basically just being like okay so he'll never win re-election because of this ms fucking scandal so yeah. let's just, let's get the VP in because he pulls well enough and he tests well and he fundraises like a motherfucker, which is all we actually own care about.
1: He's a known quantity. Right, like... Better
0: the devil, you know, rather than this mm-hmm. unpredictable outcome we have with Bartlett with his crazy disease that America doesn't even understand. And most Americans think it's fatal and blah, blah, blah. And so this is just them literally just saying, we're just going to do the safe, uh, safe, obvious choice here to preserve, you know, continuity of of party power, essentially. Yeah.
1: So then we get a very brief and almost coincidental mention of the big political crisis from the last time where there's a fucking coup going on in Haiti, Mm -hmm. and this is important to us, apparently not for any reason other than to prompt President Bartlett into a series of flashbacks. Right. Which will be the... (laughs) Like, yeah, this all is, the
0: politicking of this episode is just a spark to get his imagination going, basically. Because,
1: it, because, as we recall, this is now him the day after Mrs. Landingham died. Right, so he's processing, so, you know, he this, is is processing, this is grief
0: in action, essentially. And
1: Filmic they are also, grief. well, they're also setting up the details, well, they had been setting up the details, and now are, are going forward with the details of her funeral service. Correct. So, yeah. while he's being prompted to make these decisions, he's sort of, like, just kind of, fading out of any sort of political consciousness, which, you know, I believe he's probably lectured people on being in the moment and paying attention to what the country needs. but he's the president, so
0: whatever. But he's
1: the president, so, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) He's president dad. So, speaking of dad... Yeah, big dad energy. There's big dad energy throughout these flashbacks. We will devote some chat to that, but for now, suffice to say that... to to we flashback to teenage
0: Bartlett at his... uh, very upper end fucking New Hampshire, private religious school, boarding school for good little boys who are going to grow up to be president one day. You know, Uh, he's he's 16, 17, 18. Uh, you know, he's close, close to college age. And uh, we get to see his introduction to a young Mrs. Lanningham, uh, who is like in her what late 20s, maybe early 30s, yeah. you know, like- older than him but not a significant amount. Um,
1: and I think I think the, the crucial point that we'll dig in on later is that she's not old enough to be his mom.
0: Correct um, but you know she's not like the exact same age where the, like you know there would be like flirty energy between them. it's more it's it's more matronly more caretakerly yes. There's
1: more propriety yes. in the relationship so, uh, and I'd and- like to
0: a quick shout out. I very much like the young actress who plays young Mrs. Landingham. I think she does a really good job. I think the young Bartlett is okay, uh, but I think young Mrs. Lanningham does a real good job of capturing, like, here's a young woman that's going to become the old lady that Mrs. Lanningham is. You know? She's, yeah. She probably has, like, three cats already, is what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> well, so, I'll actually, I actually actually want to, like, separate out the flashback and the okay. fundamental memory thing from the the plot recap. So, basically, these flashbacks will be inserted at dramatic times yes. throughout the episode. So... Mm-hmm. We get back to the the White House and they're setting out more arrangements for the funeral. And there is apparently the other kind of crisis that they're wrestling with is there is a storm coming up the East Coast, a tropical storm. So not quite a hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. Towards D.C. Straight for
0: D.C. Uh, Out of season, which is uh, weird. Uh, and, and convenient the, and convenient because of course storms <laughs> equal drama yes
1: Ooh, real subtle <laughs> aaron so,
0: like oh my god it gets real bad when the, when <laughs> we get to the one moment which we'll save yeah. for a little bit um but yeah so the Bart, bartlett is kind of fixating on tracking this storm and finding out more info about like how unlikely it is and it's clear that he's just kind of doing this to get his mind off mrs landingham's death or have you know having to process it or or the ms thing or you know get his mind off the gajillions of crazy shit that must be running through it right now
1: yeah so while he's doing that function of his job cj sets up the leak to the media of the story so they're primed somehow (laughs) she does this right and they've got the interview
0: the interview happens that they talked about previously um uh, with his wife and everything and
1: well, and they have this convenient uh, cover story where she's like, I need to see these three news agencies in my oh, office right. because yeah. we have to discuss seating arrangements on Air Force One. And it's like, what? <laughs> but the like the completely credulous Rube reporter Tweety guy is like, CJ, I really I really like I, my seat. I know on, I complained on the that Air Force one Force <laughs> And yep, I, I'm sorry if I if I messed up. Or I've lost your confidence anyway. And she's like, shut up, Brett. It's not about this is not about fucking seating arrangements.
0: <laughs> it's a really good moment. It's, it's great. <laughs> so she, she lets them know like, what the like, fuck no, is happening. like, no, this is about the fucking like, biggest news story you're ever going to fucking write.
1: Yeah. And so she does that. Like, all that gets set up. And then we you know we presume that the funeral is happening prior to this press conference that the president will give this evening so we do get to go to the funeral they correct um have a beautiful like it's in the national cathedral if you've never been to the national cathedral i mean it's it is a literal like copy of a gothic cathedral from europe that was built in built in the 1900s but still like it took 20 years to build it's a spectacular building. If you've never been and you want to see a cathedral of that sort of grandeur, DC is right there. It's a beautiful place. uh, Um, It's
0: very cool to visit. Um, As Bartlett says, you could lay down the Washington monument in the grand cathedral and it would fit. Uh, Yep. So it, it big Mm. uh, as we will see (laughs) later (laughs) on. Uh, But yeah, they all get there. We just kind of hear you know, the, the service itself is basically standard TV funeral. MP4 essentially. Well, and they
1: conveniently they they cut the flashbacks into it as well right. so that they don't have to even bother with making right, it. Right. But the bits you know, like, we do get of it
0: is just like the most standard, you know, kind of funeral thing ever. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, you know, it gets you in the feels if you're in the mood for it. Uh, it but it's nothing that hard hitting other than just like, oh man, funerals sure are sad. But shout out to Mrs. Bartlett for trying to spice things up a bit with her above the knee skirt to show off her rocking games.
1: Hell yeah, Jesus. We're gonna,
0: She's been doing Abby's, the calf lifts and she wants to show it.
1: Abby's got like four inch I don't even know I don't like I don't know what the term, it's not a still whatever, it's like a chunky heel shoe mm-hmm, on yeah. and a giant fedora, a black fedora. Yeah, killer hat on yeah. killer hat and just like, wow, you're all in black, but doesn't look like you're mourning. <laughs> you're the, the, like...
0: <laughs> the, the fashion gossip columnists are going to have a field day <laughs> with, with what Abby wore to the funeral. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: they go through the the funeral with further flashbacks intercut. That again we'll address yes. um, in we'll the isolated segment. Yeah. And then we get the sort of like the the soliloquy to this... make the headlines. Yes. This is in the, the television the big magazines. Moment.
0: This is. You know, there are certain movies that I can tell are almost, you make a movie just for one shot, and there are certain movies like that. This episode was made for this one scene, and particularly the one shot that, that uh, culminates this scene where he stomps the cigarette into the ground. But if you've seen The West Wing at all, and you've watched the whole thing, this scene probably sticks in your mind very well where Bartlett goes on his tirade against God. Um, for for having the gall to kill mrs. Landingham uh, because God personally controls all drunk drivers apparently <laughs> yeah.
1: well this so is we'll grief, elect-
0: obviously you know I'm yes. not here to lecture Bartlett about it. actually there is no sky wizard like you know this is him this is his grief playing out in a very personal way for someone who is so Catholic and so devout
1: in yeah his so faith. We'll, we'll we'll dig into that. Also, in a little bit of a okay. section, so they go through the speech he they go back to the White House, which was understood that they wouldn't they or something s- like they they were gonna go straight to the press conference, but then they end up back at the White House and the storm that is coming up oh my god the <laughs> the coast. Has been blowing a door in the Oval Office open because Charlie very conveniently comes in and explains that there's a wind tunnel effect happening. What the fuck, motherfucker? We've we've had door latches for thousands of years. Okay,
0: to be fair, he says the door latch is being (laughs) repaired. However, that is the exact same door that two Marines constantly stand outside of, and every time the president or Leo or whoever walks through it, they make sure to shut it right behind him every single time. Like. Are you really telling me that, like, all the doors to the outside can be opened in such a way to create a wind tunnel to the Oval fucking office? Yeah. like, uh, Come on. uh, uh, It's uh, just like, it's literally there for the dramatic moment when the storm blows the door open (laughs) in his moment of most grief. Like, it's just, oh my, it's so on the nose. Like,
1: and so does it we, work we, for
0: anyone? Like, did people unironically <laughs> get like, oh man, I'm like really into the scene now that the storm blew the door open. Well,
1: and so we get, uh, uh, and, and what happens is like, he gets like
0: music you know where the music tells you how to feel now it's the the weather is telling you how to feel
1: fucking speaking well okay so we get when the door blows open and the storm goes out he gets upset and then ghost mrs landingham shows up again we'll talk about this (laughs) shortly to to be like hey it's cool maybe you should have a fight
0: (laughs) club-esque talking to himself scene
1: so Mrs. Ghost Mrs. Landicamp shows up, they have a they have a little dialogue. I just wanna point this... out that we're
0: talking about a ghost in the in the West Wing. <laughs> ghost or canon in the West Wing. Alright, continues. Continue. Yeah, absolutely. continue. Absolutely. I just had to get that on the record. <laughs>
1: so they they go through this little spiel, they have a thing, and he then walks outside in the storm, which is <laughs> I love your note here, and I will let you read out what you read. He's down. in
0: the rain. <laughs> president's in the rain he's standing he's standing in
1: the rain, in the rain. <laughs> it's like,
0: fucking dramatic <laughs> the water it's, it, it's it pounding
1: is, it is shawshank redemption oh with with no artistry or like it's
0: like a <laughs> 20 second static shot of just water hitting him as he like looks ser- super serious and it's just so, like uh
1: well and and this is when they start to overlay <laughs> a Dire Straits song, Brothers in Arms.
0: You got real mad about this song. <laughs> like so, to me it just feels like there's a million better options, but I but go on. You go off, No. King.
1: I, I I do believe that you're you're right. There are better options. And so here's the problem. Sorry, dads everywhere, but like <laughs> Brothers in Arms, Dire Straits, Mark Knopfler, talented dude, love the music, god, you know, I class whatever, but for this it is it is a song that allows your 65 year old father to pretend to be sentimental by being like, oh, I feel this. Like, <laughs> uh, pre- you know, this pretend
0: is like he was part of the World War II generation or or even
1: whatever it is. But it's just like some noodley guitar shit. And it's it's Knopfler kind of mumbling these lyrics. But it's also it was written about the fucking Falklands War. Who can I guarantee that Boomer Dad isn't getting mad about the Falkland Islands or colonialism. He's just being like, (laughs) This song makes me feel feelings and I remember when in nineteen eighty, I think it was like nineteen eighty five, like when I was listening to this, it was, you know, man, I felt some real emotion. But anyway, like (laughs) you said, there's probably a million better songs that could be overlaid.
0: For, you know, pondering a monumentous decision. Like I can just you know, I'm not a music guy. I don't but there's gotta be a million other fucking better options. It doesn't play that well. I'm not familiar with it, but just it just doesn't play that well. It doesn't fit the tone of the scene. And it feels too, like, whiny.
1: Yes, and it's also... It Particularly is, um, given
0: what the climax of the episode is going to be, It's it should be more of a, if not, like, energetic or s- sort of, like, uplifting song, it should at least be a bit more substantial have, or something.
1: Yeah, it should have conviction. It yeah. should be a it should be a thing that that drives towards a conclusion because that's yeah. inevitably what happens. And Brothers in Arms doesn't have a fucking conclusion. It noodles on for like six and a half minutes. Yeah, oh my anyway. god, and it just goes, so, and uh, goes like so. they, they while they're eventually, just walking through
0: the White House the whole time, this fucking song is playing, like so silently.
1: There comes the the closing part of the episode is a montage of them making this procession through the White House into the car through and he's the still streets wet, still to the press wet from
0: the <laughs> yeah
1: and we get a i like that we have a shot of the poor fucking yeah, janitor who has to
0: pick up the cigarette that he fucking <laughs> stomped out on the floor like you didn't piss off god all you did was make this guy fucking have to work a little harder
1: yeah um and so we get this arc they drive past it's in the rain they end up at the, the press conference and then there's this very i totally dissonant part of the episode where he steps up to the podium. He mm-hmm. deliberately doesn't take the softball question. Right,
0: CJ has preset him up with one reporter he can call on to get a softball question rather than the obvious first question, which is, are you going to run again? He, and he deliberately, despite going over it with CJ multiple times, uh, chooses to ignore that reporter and just go straight for the, for the hardball question.
1: Yeah, and so... You get the question, are you going to run for re-election? And there's this drawn-out pause where you see him, the president, do his signature move of looking to the side, smiling smugly, and sticking his hands in his pockets. You get a shot of Leo going, turning away dramatically from a TV monitor and looking at him being like, watch this. And
0: <laughs> By the way, if you're a TV writer and you're writing those words, you have failed. Yes, way to go. When you have to literally tell the audience, put your eyeballs on the screen.
1: So (laughs) you get get these very, very um, deliberate and obvious things because of course he's going to fucking run for a second term. And then apparently the reaction to this was treating it as a giant cliffhanger. And I...
0: I, it's not a cliffhanger
1: I, by certain <laughs> definitions it's not a cliff it's like a two-parter right <laughs> you you could say that the arc continues and is serialized into the third season
0: this is this is no fire from the end of best of both worlds part one yes uh, where you're actually it, like oh my god what's gonna happen like you know he's gonna run again they set yeah. they set up the tell earlier and they had young mrs. Laningham explain the tell of like oh when you put your hands in your pockets and you look off in the distance and you smile a little, it means you've made up your mind about something. And so, like, and what do you think? He's made up his mind to say no. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, do you think Leo is saying watch this because he's going to give the best no speech in, in the history of presidencies?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so and then it, it fades out. Like, it fades out with right, brothers we just fades arms. just right there. Still song, going the,
0: on. With the stupid song playing
1: so that's that's the arc of the episode we have i think we have two broader things to talk about yep. before we wrap up because we did deliberately skip over both the Landingham and political fundamentals and the speech thing God which speech. i think we can talk about so we will take a break now because we've been talking for another 20 minutes and hey, get hey. into that shortly like ben, of and all of them. biggest sort of through arc of this episode is related to mrs landingham who if you'll recall from 35 minutes earlier in this episode was killed in a car accident right in the last episode of the west wing um and who we find out through a series of flashbacks has been an influence on the president's life for a very long time yes um since he was a, since boy he was a boy- high school yep. student yep um all right, so we get this series of flashbacks, and it sets the stage that President Bartlett went to a private high school. I happen to know which one it is because I actually have a friend who went there. Uh, it was filmed in, at St. Andrews, which is a school in Middleton, Delaware.
0: That, that doesn't sound right. That can't be real.
1: What what the fuck is Delaware? Anyway? <laughs> and
0: you're just making up words now. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so it, it's the it's the actual it's the school where um, the movie Dead Poets Society, Rest in Peace, that's Williams, why it
0: looks familiar, was filmed. Totally. Yep.
1: Um, it also to be to be fair, the reason that they they chose this um, setting for both that movie and this TV show, I imagine is because it looks like Americans ideas of a patrician Ivy league institution. Yes. I will, or,
0: a, or an Ivy league feeder high school. Uh, well, exactly.
1: School. And they, and they yeah. all, they all stylize themselves similar or want to stylize right. themselves. Similar. I'll tell you, like I went to Duke for undergrad, and Duke looks like this. It yeah. is the Gothic wonderland. Princeton's right. campus looks like this. Oxford looks like this. Right. So, it is. It's a signifier, even in the aesthetics yep, of just a the,
0: just the visual language yep, of, of a
1: capitalist class. Oh yeah, this is this <laughs>
0: is where the 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 elites get educated, uh, and so <laughs> we we find out that Bartlett actually gets to go to the school for free uh, because his father is headmaster <laughs> of, of the whole fucking school, uh, just to put an even more finer point on it uh yeah (laughs) not only is he welcome here uh his family literally runs the place
1: yes so we do see in the first flashback that it is lawrence o'donnell playing bartlett's father yeah tv personality been been a
0: writer and consultant on the show for quite a while at this point and um apparently i had listened to the actual official podcast episode uh where they got him on and uh, apparently Mm -hmm. they were just like Yeah, why don't you play Bartlett's dad? You have like you have like big dad energy, and he's like, okay, and he and so he did just for this one episode, and then never again.
1: Yep, sure enough, he he dads the fuck out. So the um the relationship between Bartlett and his dad is immediate. It's immediately set the stage to be sort of tense as hell, tense and very um. It's a very fifties dad. Yes. Energy. He's, he's he calls him sir. Calls him sir. He he, which Mrs. Him of, calls him out on. Which I, which he accuses I like. he accuses his kid of like smoking in the church, right. like by and like he knows it's not his son, but he's like I found this cigarette. But are you misbehaving right. or whatever? And so um that dynamic is set up very early. And we are introduced to Mrs. Landingham. Yes, um, in the same scene as Who, uh, a
0: starts out as his father's secretary, mm-hmm. uh, which is an interesting <laughs> little wrinkle to the whole dynamic. I find uh, it, it's almost like he cucked his dad's secretary away from him.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a. It is. It's a. It's an interesting like within the relationship politics of it. There is a certain dynamic that is both um, quite modern. <laughs> or or she was of, handed
0: down to him like property. Like Yes. <laughs> like and, you know, like slaves would be back in the day. Like well, she was bequeathed that, to young Bartlett.
1: <laughs> that that is something I think about as well in how they set it up because it is there it's it's almost um I don't want to say it's a trope. It's there there is a um what the fuck is the word? It's not a stereotype. It is a an archetype. of this where it's like um this is someone who was it's a it's a teacher becoming the pupil or like a power inversion dynamic where she's
0: she starts out as the adult one who knows more and who challenges him and then ultimately will end up being in a service role to him later in life yeah
1: well and also it is the presumption that she will be in some way sort of you know around but to help him out right and it turns out that she goes she transcends helping him and begins to like warp him to her viewpoint. Yeah, you or know what like, it is? Like,
0: it's like almost a proto manic pixie dream girl thing except without the romance element. Like she's she's she swoops into his life to like to change him up and help him realize his full potential and it's it's very similar to that except there's there's no like romance to it
1: yeah actually now now that I think about it, I think that's that's a close analog because it is it's entirely contained within this episode mm-hmm. this whole thing and they they have to to be fair to the writers they have a targeted like an incident that occurs yes. they have a desired outcome that she expresses they have a denouement between him and the power structure yeah and then a result that is presumed to occur in her favor within this episode. Yeah. Um, And to, to briefly go through that, she talks, ends up talking to Jed about pay inequity Mm -hmm. at the school because she's getting like the female uh, administrative staff or even the teachers are getting paid less than their male counterparts because of course they are because it's like the sixties. Yeah. It's the late fifties really. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's like 57 or 58, assuming Bartlett's like 17 or 18. If we're going off Martin Sheen's age, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's like fifty-seven, fifty-eight, and she's bringing up these the giant pay discrepancy merely based off, you know, she details how their tasks are exactly the same, their seniority is exactly the same, uh, but they're getting, you know, thousands less. And uh, and so, she, you know, at first Bartlett is like, huh, well that's weird, and just kind of shrugs <laughs> yeah. it off in his like good old 50s boy, patriarchal kind of way, where he has the privilege to just kind of shrug that off. Uh, But then she kind of keeps like, you know, she keeps on him about it. And then finally, he does the tell that will be referenced later in the episode where, you know, he puts his hands in his pockets and he goes, "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to go talk to my pa about it. Um, (laughs) And so we are
1: presumed we're presumed to take this as the this is this is an exemplar of how President Bartlett thinks about political issues. Right. This is how this is
0: what made him. The political man he is today is moments like this this is like a, fo- a foundational moment of like oh i'm gonna fight for equality and for the the oppressed and for justice uh now the, but he had the, to be kind of badgered into it
1: well and the shitty thing about it is that there is no there is no ideological or transcendent no. he doesn't um, he doesn't realize in
0: that way at all not in the way i just put it no
1: basically he he is presented with statistics and says, "Well, that's not correct." And yeah. so I will take this direct it's action. It's out of balance. Yes, it's out of, exactly. I think that's a perfect way to put it. This is this is out of balance, or it is not um, in in a liberal Like the ledger frame. doesn't line up right. You know? Yeah, it, like the he, rules he aren't makes being it followed.
0: You know, which is you know pointing to how he'll become an economist, I guess. But yeah, it, it, there's like you said, there's no, it's not an ideological thing of like. Well, that just doesn't sound right like he gets there eventually but he doesn't start that way
1: and uh, we also there there are hints of a more radical argument being made that literally just bounce off
0: him right
1: she's she says to him that the women are afraid for their jobs
0: which yeah, is why they asks, don't wh- talk he's to like people. why did do, why don't they bring this up why do, they, why do i as the white street male have to do it for them and he, cause he doesn't understand the concept of privilege, like <laughs> of at all, cause he's 17, like, you know, <laughs> sure, how many sure, of sure. us did, but, <laughs> but yeah. And then she has to bring up that, like, the reason the women don't bring this up is if they did, they'd be fucking fired, Jed. Like that's, that's the reality of the situation. And that's why I'm coming to you because you have the power in the situation to actually do something for these, for an oppressed minority.
1: And, and so the, the young act and it may just be a, a, a function of the actor not particularly selling it hard, but basically you just watch that kind of cruise past his ears, and he'd be just be like, well, this is still out of balance, so uh, I'll, I'll I'm going go to do what I can. will talk to the I old can. man. Let me, yeah.
0: I'll talk to the old man about it. Uh, so, well, and then he goes to talk to the old man about it. We don't really get the confrontation about the teacher salary thing too much. uh. Which hit,
1: again is weird because they spent so much time building to it and would building think that to,
0: would be the meat of the building of the to him, right? Yeah, being
1: able to exercise what power he has, right? And then it's all it's almost just I mean, it's completely elated in his interaction with his dad,
0: right? Uh, which becomes about a different thing where he wrote a he helped contribute to an article against a professor who's trying to ban books, certain books on campus. Uh, and this is this is where we get a very interesting little moment here, and I'll just have you include the clip.
1: We're banning certain books from the library, yes. He's a
0: professor of literature.
1: He banned Henry Miller. He banned D.H. Lawrence. Jet. Giovanni's room, because it's too homosexual. Stop it right now, you're a guest at this school.
0: I'm a student at this school. Jet. He banned Fahrenheit 451, which is about banning books. Was
1: that supposed to be funny? That wordplay that you just did there, was that meant to be and funny? That was supposed to... Was there anything else?
0: So, in case that doesn't play as well, just on audio, that smack is the, him, Lawrence O'Donnell, hitting young Jed Bartlett. And it's... I find this moment very interesting from two things. Obviously, there's the, the obvious angle of like, oh my god, the president's dad was physical abusive, which, you know most ads were back then in that sort of like fifties archetypal way uh, particularly in television
1: and and particularly in the patrician class
0: right exactly and particularly in like the uh, the elite class but i think there's a much more interesting sort of like meta thing going on here where it's almost the writers calling themselves out for like using cl- cute clever language to hide the fact that they don't really do anything in these fucking <laughs> episodes <laughs>
1: Well and the they the reference to the, the banning books thing is it's not particularly clever. He says they banned Fahrenheit four fifty one and it's about banning books and that's yes. That's a clever every,
0: observation, but that's it. Like but, but
1: everyone also knows that. Like that right. is understood and this is what sets off Dad. Right. In a way where it's like, well, a, I I hope I would I would hope that it is communicating the fact that abusive people do not need an excuse, right? And they will use whatever, like you know, even whatever just fucking, their kid
0: making a joke as yes, yeah, exactly.
1: And they also um, there is a for whatever reason, and I they don't make the connection very well. I feel like in the writing, he references the the church service um, at being the school being. Yes. non-denominational and then he makes it jed makes an argument about it based on the fact that he is catholic and then we get a super interesting revelation that like basically he is he larry o'donnell says specifically you're catholic because your mother's catholic mm-hmm. and this is this is not uh, and i'm, I'm going to say it because i don't want to speak in absolutes but like this is technically by the religious tradition this is not correct um, Judaism as a faith goes and the theoretically mother. as a culture goes through the mother's line. Correct. Catholicism is explicitly patriarch. Like at uh editor's note, please don't skewer me for saying this. Like I said, I'm trying not to speak in absolutes here, but it's been 18 years since I was active in the Catholic faith. Um, just generically there, there's the influence of a patriarchy in the structure of the, pope being the head of the catholic church and always being about dad god anyway so his dad would have to be
0: catholic for him to be catholic but it's implied his dad is protestant and this is a protestant school as well which is why he's getting upset about the quote-unquote non-denominational service
1: yes and i think it's it there is a there could have been a lot more to unpack about jed's catholicism and his upbringing as juxtaposed with waspy Protestant people, which who dominate the ranks of his social class and excuse me, his economic class. Well,
0: and I find it interesting. He brings up specifically a point of difference is that Catholics believe you have to mix faith with good deeds. Hell yeah. This and then this implies that this is what makes him sort of a better man than his father. Ultimately, like this is why he sought out a life of of political service or public service, where in theory he is helping you know millions and millions of people. In practice, you know they do nothing. But you know, but in you know, in theory, this is what this is what distinguished him to make him sort of a better man than his father, who, you know, you know, is educating the the next elite class of of uh, of patriarchs.
1: Yeah. So interesting. Very briefly, that we do actually never meet Jed's mother.
0: Not at all. Um, not not even a mention like, of her name, which I find even, very interesting.
1: Even as the even as the primary reference to his fun his bedrock faith. Like we never meet her, or or, are introduced. Like there's no part.
0: I don't think we ever get a name. Uh, Hell, he had an off-screen brother that one episode that we never (laughs) saw. Like the only family they care about are the kids on this show, and really only like one of them.
1: And look, it's it's fine because we'd have to do more flashback, but but anyway, in in service of kind of this, it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Mrs. Landingham then dies in the car accident. We flash back to the present where the president is having troubles with the storm blowing the door open and he
0: and he he yells for mrs landingham to close Mm -hmm. the blown open door and uh because president is dad king god uh his words have the ability to summon the ghost of mrs (laughs) landingham right to the oval office um
1: and so i actually noted this in a couple places so with regards to his catholicism the landingham bit happens after the speech where he denounces god which we'll get to shortly and it's very, very interesting, and I—I'm pretty sure it's coincidental because the writers aren't this smart. That once he makes the speech, he begins doing things in an extremely blasphemous way. He's yes. talking to ghosts. He's equating the portent of the storm with his life, which is you know sort of—it's very You're pagan. Supp-
0: yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's and not, so not to be done. <laughs>
1: If if that was intentional, that is some incredible. I think it's more writing. just sort
0: of like he's unraveling. I think, uh, and, and it's, it's more generic. It's, just it's showing that it's he, his mind is troubled. You know, it's
1: convenient that it happens that way. But I found drawing that parallel with the religious side of things was actually super interesting. And I really, hmm. I would love to give Sorkin and his cadre of writers credit for that. But it's just it's it's fun to think They're about. So the fact on that, the nose with so, yeah. so many of the other
0: elements, it's hard to though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh so yeah so the this speech that he has with ghost mrs Lanningham, which i'm going to continue to call her because ghosts are canon in west (laughs) wing now uh ghost mrs Lanningham basically shuts down both arguments both the god speech and the dad argument with like these brilliant little one liners of like look god doesn't send drunk drivers stop using that as an excuse and like and your father was a fucking asshole so like and get it the fuck over it he's dead like she just basically shuts both of that down and says, "Do you want to run again?" And like and 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 they go back to this numbers thing that they set up in the flashbacks, where you know back then it was the salary numbers. Now she starts listing off, or he starts listing off all these political numbers about how many children are in poverty and School blah blah blah. School investment and these blah, are all blah. to him reasons that he needs to be president for another term, so that you know he can. He can fix all these problems. Uh, but there's one major problem with the whole scene, and it's that they haven't fixed shit. And not only that,
1: he's already fucking been president for three goddamn years. He hasn't fixed shit And in that these time numbers either. are
0: still just as bad. <laughs> and like and then you talk about forty-four million uninsured, they're not gonna do anything to address that. They don't they don't pass a healthcare thing.
1: Like it is, it is a very, and I think we are, frankly, in our current moment in time in 2019, we are approaching the limit, the literal limit of how relevant this perspective is because you can only observe and calculate for so long. Right, you, you can't, have to lead. You can't raise awareness any further than it's already been raised right. in certain contexts.
0: Yes, you have to do things. You have to, like, this is just my frustration with the government for the past decades or whatever. It's just, like, we don't actually do shit anymore. We haven't in a very long time. Not The only thing we do is war, you know. Yes. We, love, we like to do that. That's a big thing that we definitely do a lot of now.
1: Well, and we love to incarcerate people.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. Uh, that's more a state-by-state state thing. But, True. Uh, but definitely the feds are involved a bit. Uh, and- but I'm just talking about the federal government here. But it's just, like... Like Medicare was passed in the '60s, you know. Like since then, what's the biggest progressive legislation that's ever happened? The ACA, that that piece of neoliberal piece of shit. Like that's like, it. That's 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 pathetic. all we have to hang hang our hats on. Like in like 30 or 40 fucking years.
1: Yeah, and so in a way, it's it ridiculous. comes back. It comes back around to this the, is the
0: fundamental flaw with like you know the neoliberal West Wing, you know, status quo kind of shit. In, in its essence
1: it, it comes back around to um faith through acts which right. is if this is truly his animus how has he acted he has i mean in in our evaluation of the full year by the way this is basically our one year anniversary recording this <laughs> podcast in the full year i've been watching this shit there has been no action no, there has been almost no
0: nothing even let bartlett be bartlett didn't lead to anything which they reference in this episode. At one point, Josh says, let Bartlett be Bartlett. Uh, which was supposed to be their big fire-up, oh, we're gonna change up some shit and get them talking and, and really fucking kick shit up around here, and then they do nothing. Yeah. They just do nothing, except war, which is, of course, the one thing that we can do.
1: So that's the Landingham arc. Basically, it she serves as the inspiration back then, Right, and then, and then, technically, as again, the inspiration again, now.
0: It works as, like, character motivation, but, yes. again, with the greater context of knowing that, not only have they done nothing, but I know from watching the show already that they will go on to do nothing. Yes. <laughs> which it, which makes it even worse, of, like, this, th- I bet this works great in the moment, before you know where the show is going. If this is your first ever time watching the show, yeah, then I bet it's fucking fantastic, and it, and it hits so hard. But looking at it from a critical eye and with the context of knowing where the show ultimately goes, it feels so hollow.
1: And that's, I think, and we'll, we'll talk about this when we talk about the speech, too. It's, I think that's the ultimate where this episode lands. It's it is, it's a pastiche, like a veneer of, oh, you know, I'm I'm fired up now. And then in hindsight, it's just like, well, all right, yeah. great. It, so, it all,
0: it's all for naught.
1: So let's do a brief bit about the actual speech itself and kind of the political context of that, and then we can get back into it. And
0: furthermore, Susan, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to learn that all four of them habitually smoke marijuana cigarettes. Reefers.
1: So we couldn't let this episode go without briefly commenting on the, the the drama that is really the central pivot point of the Sorkin years of this show. It is a, as Dave mentioned earlier, it's a scene that you would write an entire show for to deliver. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is the you know this is the culmination. He swears in unsubtitled Latin for God's sakes, um, and just go ahead and get the clip right here.
1: That's not enough to buy me out of the doghouse. Hey, Kratom, adeo pio, adeo justo, adeo shito. Cuciatos in krucem. Tu es in servos nuntias fui, officium perfece. Cuciatos in krucem. Eas in krucem.
0: And, uh, yeah. and... The translation, which you were so kind enough to look up, is, Am I really to believe that these are the acts of a loving God? A just God? A wise God? To hell with your punishments. I was your servant here on Earth. I spread your word and I did your work. To hell with your punishments. To hell with you.
1: To hell with you. To hell Ooh. with God! Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so
0: this just made me think of I and in high school, I worked at a renaissance festival and uh, one of the favorite ways to swear was to say God something like, you know, God, God's ear or God's <laughs> knee or whatever. And one time the the queen said God's death and everyone went, <gasps> ooh and that, that's basically <laughs> what this is, the, the equivalent of a big old gasp of like, oh. oh, he just swore about God.
1: So. There are a couple things where it's, um, just to kind of within the words, before we even get to the Latin bit of it, uh, so okay he he asks leo to like okay actually no you mentioned first,
0: this first off <laughs> yeah i just want to say that leo as they're wrapping up the funeral right before this scene kicks off right before he's about to ask everyone to clear out the church and seal it leo's just like man that 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 mrs landingham she was a she was a right old dame a real broad and i'm like leo what fucking noir detective movie did you just stumble out of into this funeral and also don't be gross leo like <laughs>
1: They had tracer bullet here. Like, <laughs> it's just like uh, okay,
0: and yeah, what feel, in the world? <laughs> it's, man, it's just such a bizarre nowhere.
1: turn. And but then anyway, I feel he may Go be ahead. trying to console his friend. What whatever it is, whatever.
0: But then anyway, he you know he asks Leo like, okay, everyone clear out, seal the church. This is the first time the president has had a private moment since since the news of Mrs. Lanningham's death. And so for and his character. This, this is the first time he can properly express his grief unfiltered, essentially.
1: Yeah, well, and I feel like we, we rarely see the president alone. Almost never. Almost never throughout almost the never entire talking. show. Yes,
0: you know, if he definitely. is alone, he's he's just staring, usually. Um, or, you know, or just... It's know, a fade sitting.
1: out over him staring exactly. at something. Exactly, but whatever. almost yeah.
0: never is he soliloquine. You know, yes. almost never is any character soliloquine. That's kind of the whole point of the walk and talk. To have someone else there to to bounce stuff off of, uh, so that these characters are not soliloquy. But here we we get a proper Shakespearean, really theatrical soliloquy. You know, absolutely. And so, and I, he swings I, through the fences here. And, yes, you know, he God does. Bla- God bless Sheen. He just he gives it his all here. I have no criticism for the actor uh, himself. Uh, but
1: the, the, the speech is fine, and the, the speech the, is fine
0: too. Yeah, it's uh, it's personal. It's you know. A, I had this whole thing where I was going to really lean into the whole God-King-Dad thing. I'm like, you really? You're comparing yourself to God? But, like, he doesn't really. He actually does call himself a servant of God. So I think that all tracks fine. Uh, he is viewing himself as, like, sort of humble before God, but also angry at God.
1: And it, I think the only real issue I took with the speech was that it, there's a lot of presuming the audience is stupid, which, again, <laughs> leans into this tonal dissonance that Sorkin runs into, where it's like the clip we just played i'm gonna write like five sentences and have him pronounce it in in church latin right. without any subtitles but right. i'm gonna lead into it being like i'm going to quote this guy and say the guy's name in the speech <laughs> like, right you're talking to yeah. god and yeah. you're a yeah, but he's so according like, to himself he has to <laughs>
0: fucking get citations correct <laughs> like, what a nerd god,
1: God's going to come read the bibliography of your speech later, motherfucker. Yeah, like This is
0: the equivalent of him listing off the trivia of the National Parks and shit. This is just real nerd shit that's like leaking through where he has to properly cite his own rant at God. <laughs>
1: And I mean, he he uses he again he cites these statistics and says, "Is this not good enough for you?" And frankly, no. First it's off, not. no. Those are like the jobs not. number
0: he talks about is like the number of passive jobs that get added with like <laughs> no the economic of, management whatsoever. Or like
1: the number of people who turn eighteen and need right, to be yeah, employed. like the number of
0: new people added to the labor <laughs> force, exactly. And as an economist, he should know this. Of course. Yeah,
1: well, and he does use you reference. He uses the word "feckless." He describes God as a feckless. Right word and I, an I really excellent. need to bring that
0: back into my vocabulary yeah. <laughs> that's a fantastic word yeah uh, no i love the way he goes off on god it's great uh and, you know and, uh, as i said this is a man's expression of grief here you know he's fully irrational in this moment he's yelling at god in a church for god's sakes you know and he's <laughs>
1: it is it's a good it's a good display and you know, we 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 go in on this statistical stuff. But clearly, as was established in these flashbacks, that's how Bartlett is fundamentally thinks. philosophical about things. He right. thinks of things in terms of statistics. Numbers. He thinks and of he's them like, in- he
0: thinks if he has good enough numbers, God would have been happy enough that he wouldn't have killed Mrs. Lanningham.
1: <laughs> and, and I think that is where kind of in a slightly deeper analysis, this is where it comes down in that he is worried that he fucked up. Yes. And God is, and that is why God is mad. Not just that God is MS. randomly.
0: Yeah. Or, or, or because of, or that he did a bad job or, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, his mistake is per, like, he is reaping the consequences of his mistakes and it comes, it comes to him through killing Mrs. Landingham.
1: And, and, you know, and his, his like idea that God is doing these things. Like, because you know, think he's of it, the as
0: president, ass. he can't really face many consequences of his actions for the most part. Even if, even if he's a giant fuck-up and the country goes to shit, the worst-case scenario is he gets not reelected and then gets to retire to a life of luxury. Like, and? he doesn't really face consequences, and so this is the first thing that has really, like, shaken him to, to his own personal core of, of this kind of level of magnitude.
1: Well, and it is, I think, in, again, sort of as a, a nice, tidy throwback... God is his dad at yes. this point, and he is, he, I think, fundamentally, even though he's now he's still projecting this approval. anger, he is still seeking that approval that he never got. That he'll got. never
0: get, and he'll never get. There's no, yes. cl- there's no clue, you know, God will not say, oh, yeah, you did good, my son, you're a good president.
1: And, you know, and God's that, not
0: going to answer him, his dad is dead, he's not going to get any closure there.
1: So, th- yeah. The, the smack... That he got from Larry O'Donnell for being clever about literature is mirrored in God's smack of killing God's smack of <laughs> killing, killing Mrs. Landingham yes. because he hasn't done as good enough a job at president.
0: He didn't president hard enough. Exactly.
1: Yep. And so that is like this is, again, the culmination of this series for so many fucking people. Yeah. Um, fine. Good scene. Kind of like Because you
0: know why? It's downhill from here. Because they could have gone in several directions if you have Bartlett not run again. You know, you can. You could have had Hoynes. You could have had some other candidate come out of nowhere. You could have done the Santos arc early. You could have, uh, you know, you could have the staff get shake up. You know, the, you could have the Republican win. And, like, you follow the Republicans for, like, a couple few years. You know, there's a million different ways you could have gone. But as the episode ultimately does end on him choosing to run for re-election again, at that point, the arc is basically kind of pre-written for you. Like, obviously, he's going to win re-election, because if not, the show ends, if that's your decision. Uh, so then he has to win re-election, and then we're just going to follow the end of his second term, and then once he's done, the show will be over. The end! And so it's it. it this is really this episode and then maybe even this speech is the ultimate sort of climax of the sorkin years like it's it's midpoint it's arc it's you know it's highest point on like the the tension the narrative tension graph yeah it's uh, like, it's it's like it's, the it's, end uh, of kinda act kinda two downhill here from here yeah,
1: yeah we're, we're wrapping up Act this Two. Is, this is this is
0: always lost moment before kind of getting into act three of running for re-election
1: <laughs> and so speaking of running for re-election obviously that will take center stage as we go forward so let's take a brief break and wrap up this entirely too long episode Woo! of the worst way <laughs> So that's it. Uh, we're not going to spend any more time talking about this because we've already been just my brain really...
0: is done. <laughs> I I've, I've vomited all the words I have to say about this particular <laughs> episode and I never want to think about it again.
1: If you guys stuck with us for this entire show, thank you so much. Um, as I mentioned earlier and welcome <laughs> fellow fans. As I as I mentioned earlier, this is actually this will probably go out on almost to the day 1 year into Dave and I embarking On this project, which has been
0: ridiculous (laughs) idea that no one demanded for, but we delivered anyway,
1: (laughs) which frankly has been a lot of fun and we're going to keep at it. But it's also I would like to redouble my efforts to exhort anyone listening to this to reach out to us if you want to join us and you have any social skills whatsoever that you think you could put to service of jabbering about the West Wing please contact us. Yes. You can leave us a note in our thread. You can email us at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. It's still and nice a year later. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to have you join us. I've gotten a couple uh, inquiries from friends and goons that never seem to pan out. Yeah. Um, but please, please, if you're if you like this show and you want to help spice it up a little bit so it's not just me and Dave yabbering on about TV um please join us Well,
0: uh, yeah uh thanks for listening everyone we had a lot of fun breaking this down we talked entirely for too long but uh we appreciate everything all the listener feedback everything that you guys have been doing for the last year uh if i was making this podcast for like five goons i'd be happy but apparently we have a little bit bigger audience than that even uh which is great uh so we love seeing those clicks those plays uh tweet about it Well, Learned, we, that that shit. Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> we learn shit in the thread when people write about yeah, random oh kind yeah, of offshoot topics yeah. it's really fun it's great to go back and forth about that so thank you guys for listening and investing your time it's been a fun
0: little project and we and we're excited to keep it going forward so we'll see you all for season three uh at some point in the relatively near future
1: Hooray! I'll Bye now! I'll the money
0: you ask for But don't ask me to come on along So love me,
1: love me, love me I'm a liberal